Hinweis. In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are inspired by a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you, and I'm I'm purely here on volunteer work today. <laughs> uh, this is episode number fifty-four. This is um, Plank Four, Part Four in our five-part series. We're we're closing in on the end here, and the title of this episode will be "In Service of Our Nation." So, a little bit about what we're going to discuss is uh, really what it means to be in service of our nation and and recognizing that this is also this also means we're acting in service to one another and our posterity in turn which is no small feat and in this series you know we've been bringing things back um, to episode 50 which introduced the five parts of this series and uh, you know one of the founding foundational parts of that episode was related to the first paragraph of the constitution so the terminology of posterity, you know, we're going to continue carrying forward because we have to be equally concerned about today as we are concerned about the future and the world and the nation that we're going to leave behind for others. I think that when I think about posterity, sometimes people get kind of intimidated by it. They don't know what or how they actually should be doing this for themselves. And it's actually quite personal. Um, we cannot all have the exact same mission, path, nor should we to reach posterity. In fact, the more diversity in how we achieve this goal, the more beautiful the nation will be, the stronger the nation will be. We all shouldn't fit into a pipeline. Right now, you know, the biggest posterity pipeline we have is acquiring debt so we can fund the banking financial system. That's their their posterity set. But what about us? Exactly. And honestly, um, because we don't have riches and wealth and, you know, family banks and all of that stuff, what we have is our country. <laughs> what we have is the nation of laws um, to try and make our lives better over time, right? Lift ourselves up by our bootstraps if, if the system isn't rigged. So one of, some of the ideas that we're going to be talking about today as well is reestablishing our sense of community, um, so kind of leading into that, our sense of community on a grander scale with things like a civil service corps and a public works administration. So part of the reason why we have so much division and, and issues among one another today is because we've all moved into our little corners inside of our homes and we don't interact like we once did back in the day. Um, the only time we seem to interact anymore is related to work, you know, going to a job. And depending on whether or not you're going back to an office, you may or may not be interacting with people who aren't like you or have different views or ideas or perspectives. You know, you're, you, you're less likely in today's environment to come across an individual that um, challenges a bias or a set of assumptions that you might have once had. Now, that's something that we don't really recognize, but back in the day, it's, we didn't have necessarily a choice. You know, we took it for granted. And so we look on, we look upon programs like this as an opportunity to cause us to interact again and around a common cause that's greater than ourselves. Um, I think 
the only thing possibly today people are doing besides getting involved in maybe political activism. Um, actually, beyond that, I'm not sure what people are doing to get involved in things that are greater than themselves. And so it'd be nice to have a regimented way to get people into that experience. And we're going to lean into the concepts of civil service core and like a public works administration that we've seen in the past in the United States work well. But we want to think about it in a creative way for, for the people who live today and our posterity. It's a program that we would want to invent to change with the times for the purpose of bringing us together in defense of our nation. So how would these things work? Um, so let's talk a little bit about a service core for public works programs and what their aims would be. So I just described a little bit of that, but to maintain an active pipeline of people and small business contracts. So these programs would be run, facilitated, sponsored by the government, essentially, which public work, I can't remember the name of the civil service corps that we have actively today. I, I should have captured those. I didn't. There are some out there. But we really need to come up with a new set of programs, right? Um, and it engages not just people and individuals who are willing and able to volunteer, um, but also potentially small businesses, contracts out to service core styled um, small businesses that are helping to fulfill some of the needs that may be more specialized that you wouldn't expect volunteers to do. So let me take a step back and bullet out some of what these things would do. What's the point? One of the things we would have these programs, you know, set up these civil service cores, these groups of people coming together to solve problems and needs across the nation. One of the major first and most clear and present dangers is climate change. And so this civil service core could go to places where we're going to experience the worst effects of climate change that are probably not preparing for it and actively build infrastructure to help us combat those changes and help preserve our country and some of its borders. Um, we also, you know, in the same sense, people could be contributing to infrastructure projects. So Ray and I have discussed on this podcast many times how we have to reinvigorate, reinvent, and re-implement our economy. When we talk about infrastructure, the first thing that pops into my mind is a water pipeline, right? Drinking water across Western United States is going to become a problem more so with time. And the central states have plenty of water. So instead of shipping oil across the country, how about we build a pipeline for water? That's a great piece of infrastructure that a service corps could get involved in. We can also cover shortages in healthcare. So we're experiencing our first pandemic in a long time. There will be more. And smaller, um, you know, regional infections and other events that may happen, whether it be I don't know, a mass shooting or something that could cause mass casualties in a small town all of a sudden, or an oil spill or a gas leak or something that affects a large group of people suddenly in an area that you wouldn't expect, right? So we can have the civil service corps could have a medical care component, right? And we deploy those civil service corps to those regions that are needed. These civil service corps would also actively provide training for entry into new trades or re-entry into other trades. When I say new trades, there's gonna, we need people to install solar panels. We need people to build X, Y, and Z infrastructure that we have yet to invent that makes us more sustainable and resilient. 
it would be great as a transition to take people who used to work in coal mines or, you know, doing working out in the fields, uh, fracking or whatever they were doing. Once we start to move away from some of these fossil fuel programs to get people transitioned over immediately using their no technical know-how and their skills into other trades. We could also invigorate our public works. We could replace all of the terrible monuments we've established and put up respectful, useful, inspiring monuments across the earth, excuse me, across the United States at least as a start, <laughs> um, and have public works that are imbued with the spirit of our constitution. And last but not least on this set of bullets, responding to disasters, natural or man-made, which I insinuated earlier. So I'm going to go ahead and pause after those bullets um, and see if any of this strikes a chord with you, Ray. World domination aside from your policies you just admitted, um, I do think that um, this has an active place. And the problem is pro many people right now are saying, great, yeah, when am I going to have time? Right. When am I going to find time? I'm already trying to make ends meet. I'm already trying to make it as a typical American. I have all this time to contribute. Right. And, and the thing is that if you look at our holistic, you may not have listened to all of our episodes. You may need to go back to number one and, and listen to everything we've proposed, because this is part of a holistic plan. You need to remember that um, it will work, but optimally it will work with healthcare included in our system. It'll work with a universal basic income. Imagine if you had that universal basic income and you were enabled to do these things. And you said, you know what? I don't want to work for a couple of years. I just want to work at a front desk at a healthcare station. You think you're not helping people by being a caring hand eye. And the fact that the government is enabling you to do this. And even if the government does not, I mean, it technically does at the end of life, right? We've already enabled Medicare and, and, and Social Security as a system, right, to enable our elderly to do things that they want to do. But what if we enabled the entire American people to do what they wanted to do? The diversity and the freedom would unlock opportunities we never imagined. And responding to a disaster, this, this goes back to apprenticeship. As these people develop skills, they become stronger citizens. They become more independent and frankly, they become freer. And why does, no, why does nobody want us to be independent and free? You've got to ask that question. Just let us start to enable ourselves, but you have to give us the mechanism of freedom in capitalism, which is money. So sorry to make it about money, Mike, but that's an enablement to make this not just happen, but be a, 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 a watershed of action. Thank you, Ray. I, I totally agree. How do you make this time available? By providing the money it takes to free up the time. <laughs> um, I think it's critical. You're right. This is integrated with everything that we've been proposing. You raised a really, um, another really interesting point that we won't cover in detail here, but I want to plant the seed about the sabbatical. I was reading an article recently, uh, I'll see if I can reference it, but 
reading an article about the power of sabbaticals and why in certain it's either in certain countries or with only because I know today in the US there's only certain companies, a very small group of companies that offer sabbaticals. And I remember back in the day, Intel. So we, you know, when we used to spend I used to live in in Phoenix, you and I used to live together and Intel used to do all these things and what was always fascinating is the people who worked at Intel got a sabbatical after five years or three years of employment, and they get like up to a year off or something like that. And this article was going into the power of sabbaticals and why we should have those back. Like people, people, we should recognize the value in that paid leave, even if it's not paid. Like you said, if we have supplemental income, we should be able to take that leave from work at our choice. And this is one of the things we can do because one of the critical things about taking leave is to go do other fulfilling things with your life and maybe even reassess whether you want to return back to that job or you want to do something else. Um, so anyway, I, I digress, but that that is a really keen point. And we really haven't spent much time talking about the power of sabbat uh, sabbaticals. So we'll, I think that'll make a, a recurrence in the future. So jumping off of those points, let's talk a little bit more um, about the fact that, and, and maybe we've already made some of these points, but the fact that these programs would provide opportunities for training and experience, they, they would also add value to the nation from having this, instilling a reinvigorated sense of pride in doing good works. And it would instill a sense of connectedness and perhaps a shared identity among all of us, um, those of us who participate in these programs. You know, I wouldn't make it mandatory, uh, like a conscription into service where some countries conscript people into their military for two years after they're 18 or 21 or whatever. I don't know I would go so far as to conscript, conscript into or propose that, but it should be made easy, available, accessible for any phase of somebody's life to be able and, you know, and something that we should look forward to even potentially participating in one of these programs, right? It, it would be nice if it was so integrated in the fabric of who it is to be a citizen in, in the United States and doing good works um, and feeling like this connected integrative system would be really critical and it would do it in a way where it's idea based and not, you know, it's not based on where you're from or what you look like or what you sound like or what you believe in other than believing in the power of doing good, right? People coming together for these, um, doing these powerful works. And so that's why I, I really feel strongly that it would help melt down some of the um, non-human, you know, the differences between us, the things we've made up that keep us from recognizing one another as, as being a part of one species. Or more important, more to the point, this idea that some people are American and others aren't simply for reasons other than citizenship. <laughs> real, the idea of a real American. It's like, well, if you don't act in service to your nation, tell me how you're a real American. Okay, I digressed again. So let's continue. <laughs> Another aspect or goal um, that would stem from having these civil service corps is to foster a development of fully supportive programs for people reintegrating back into society. So I talked a little bit about retraining and transitioning, and you know it could be people who are finishing college before they go to work or however, anytime there's this 
point or transition in one's life, it would be nice to fill it with one of these meaningful activities that could inspire growth in new and different ways, because each and every one of us is a different person every day. But I digress again. So this reintegration concept is something I think is sorely missing in today's society. So for example, when people return home to the United States after their military service, we do not have effective means and methods. There are some programs, but not the most effective programs to reintegrate people from military service, meeting them where they are and helping them through that transition, which is a very distinct and unique journey depending on the veteran and depending on their experiences and all of those things, right? It's a very different path to walk. Similarly, so incarceration. So people who've been incarcerated, um, duly or unduly, regardless, people coming out of incarceration also can benefit, need to benefit. We would all benefit from a proper transition back into society, right? Which is, again, a different path than somebody returning from military service. The experience of incarceration incarceration is different than serving in the military. I propose the same thing. There should be a transitional path that these types of core services can facilitate for people coming out of supportive housing. So if you're not familiar with supportive housing, supportive housing is a program where if you become addicted to drugs or you go through some mental instability or something happens to you and you end up on the streets, you become homeless to one degree or another. Supportive housing is a program and that exists in some places, not in others, you know, where you get into a, a home, someplace that's, you know, a physical stable place where you can take a shower, you can get a job and reestablish yourself. And if you have addiction, there's treatment services tied to that. You know, if you have other issues, there's other services like mental health services tied to that um, or other medical service that you might need. In any case, supportive housing is a transition in and of itself but it's not entirely effective at getting people fully reintegrated in society. So sometimes people may come out of supporting housing, still not knowing exactly what to do. And so these civil service corps can help give them guidance, direction, training, all of that stuff. In the same vein as treatment programs. So I won't jump on that too much. Um, And then trauma recovery, also a similar thing. You know, people go through... um, mass shootings, for example. And when you've experienced something like that, you know, or, or a natural disaster, right? There's this survivor's guilt. There's all this other stuff going on. You probably, maybe you have to relocate because of PTSD or just because of financial reasons, whatever's going on. These programs could also help in those transitions for people, right? Give people something to do right away, whatever it is. And maybe they're helping themselves and their communities recover from a disaster. So all of these scenarios require their own solutions for helping people. All of these things, you know, represent unique paths. Um, And the goal is to get people established in a new life, in a new constructive, productive life among the community, living as citizens in the United States. And the concept here is much like the donut economy we've talked about before, and we need to think full circle in support of our our citizens' very human needs. That is what these proposals aim at.
with that, I think let's go ahead and take a break. And then Ray, we can open it up for your comments on this. Here's a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. Politics is war, simply without bloodshed. A saying paraphrased from Mao Zong that, that rings true to today. The war for liberty and justice for us all is never over and every battle counts. Our Republic still holds true the promise of our freedom and it is up to us to unleash its potential. The time is now to reimagine ourselves and our systems of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are the proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we plan to continue to have these conversations so that all citizens are encouraged to invest in themselves and their communities. Keeping that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Help spread the word by sharing your favorite post or Citizens Prerogative podcast episode from our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Feel free to use the hashtag CDG when you share. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through our Facebook page. Thanks for your support. As I went through this episode with you, I started to think about, you know, the make America great people. And, and for a moment, I said, well, you know what? Maybe there is some things that were great, that, that sense of community that used to happen around these great civil projects that happened during the, this era, right? The last, you know, go back a hundred years and we did some really impressive things and we've not done anything like that since. And so maybe just maybe there is a sense that we've lost that part of ourselves, but the challenges, um, those projects were lined with sweetheart projects, sweetheart deals, um, special handshake bonuses, extra money, pork barrel funding along the entire funding effort. So I really think that what it comes down to for us is that we think that yes, we should make that portion of the US active and, and great again, but this time the extra money goes to us. This time the citizens get the pork. We all get an equal share of whatever it was you all were sharing at the top before. It's just over. And we can enable this program if we do what we did before, but there's no more pork. I just feel like most major companies don't want to invest in these huge projects because they won't be able to get away with what they used to. There just isn't enough sugar at the bottom of that, you know, bottom of that glass. They, they just, you have to stir it up. We want you to stir it up finally. Yeah, it's too bad doing good just isn't sweet enough on its own. You have to have added sweeteners. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Well, we're remarkably on time, so let's go ahead and transition into our calls to action. Consider how you or your children and our society might benefit from such civil service programs. I mean, my mind immediately goes to the resilience it could create because of all of the things, all of the challenges we're going to have to rise to together as a nation, especially in a world that doesn't seem to be marching away from war or instability. Can we try to bring it closer to the children really quick, Mike, sure. since we're doing great on time? Yeah. We've got the, we've got, I want, you know, right now there's issues with, you know, referees 
sports are very important to a lot of parents. They enjoy it. There's a stress with referees out there, as I understand, for officials, right? Uh, you know, to have officials, you must have this capacity. Even the coach, any of these individuals who do things that are of passion, where you have to thank them, you know those people in your lives who are going above and beyond and doing the things you never could. So we are talking about those individuals who make it happen. The troop leader, the Boy Scout leader, the supporting parents, the chaperones on those buses, if you even get a school you know, visit. But by the way, those museums need people in them to have your children visit. So it is all a great circle. So I don't want anyone excluding themselves. Look deep, look at the people around you and look who's helping you get it done. They need your support. Totally. And, and look at how you spend your time. How much of your personal time is dedicated to creating something for others or for community? And if there isn't a lot of time going towards that, take a step back, figure out how you can introduce more of that into your life, because it's very fulfilling. If we're not, it's a part of our humanity to be doing things for one another and not just ourselves. So with that said, the next bullet is find out ways to get involved in your community. Join or create your own community service project today. You know, throughout the podcast, we've talked about all kinds of examples. And the next one I'm going to throw out there has to do with community gardens. So with food prices and contaminants and genetic modification on the rise, you may consider starting with a community garden or participating in one that's already started near you. Check that out first before you go do your own thing. See if there's one that you can join and learn from it and grow before you even start your own. These community gardens can help cost, uh, excuse me, cut the cost of fresh produce. And you have the added benefit of knowing exactly where some of your food comes from. And thrice benefit is your probable, the community gardens waste far less food than major ag businesses. Um, so there's, there's many fold reasons besides the fact of, you know, getting in tune with your humanity um, inside the garden. That's just one example. We've always spoken about decentralization as a thing, right? And this would really help right now. There's way too many major con agra food companies that exist that just are dominating these markets. And you mentioned um, the waste that happens from these farms. It's important to note that if, if a tomato isn't attractive and if apple doesn't look perfect or if it has an extra bump on it, they're going to throw it out. And there is a ton of waste happening simply because uh, it, it doesn't look perfect. So uh, I think you really have to hone in and maybe that's another episode, right? Really honing in on the food waste problem because of the industry. And, and why do we not divert it to food banks and other places? Because it costs, right? There's a cost to shipping those ugly produce out. Who's going to pay for it? Well, goodness me, if I had a truck and I had the time, I might help. Excellent. Excellent point. Thank you, Ray. The last bullet seems easy, but coming out of pandemic may be more challenging than we expect it to be but that makes it that much more valuable. Please smile at a neighbor and say hello. 
and then try to practice it more regularly. I know it's simple, but we're coming out of a time where these simple things help us reconnect as humans. And it's important. Smile at someone and say hello today. It's funny that you say that I had a human experience. I went to Las Vegas and everyone was saying hi to us. Everyone was saying hello. They were being very friendly. And, and you know, the group of people are trying to figure it out, like, what's going on? Is it like, it's a, what is it us? Is it this? But I think that because I've been in the uh, metaverse, um, when I see someone now, I acknowledge them and I say, hello, I wave, I do all kinds of things. And I believe on accident now, I look at people, I look at them in the eyes and I, and I nod my head and I do physical actions and it's invoked all these people to just talk to us at random and see how we're doing. And, and go ahead, you take the cab first happened, but never in my life had someone like, go ahead, folks, you just have, are you having a good, are you having a good day? And I really feel like on accident, this social experiment that we're doing with the metaverse has actually caused me to transcend something. It's just this, everyone wants to make that connection. I think I'm with you because, and you didn't make me think about it till now. I was just kind of like, no, maybe we're just social, but maybe it's that. Maybe I'm breaking a barrier on accident because the habits that I've created with so much dedicated to the project, it's, it's actually transcending the virtual world. That's fantastic. That's almost, uh, hmm. the, the behavioral side effects of the metaverse can be, can be a whole nother, that'll be another episode. But with that, we're done with this one for now. <laughs> thank you so much. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. This has truly been an in real life experience, not a virtual one. It's been, it's been something, that's for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendogood.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up the contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sample from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fisleyan Studios, Inc.